My dad died when I was eight years old, and so I had the great privilege of being raised by a single mom and can recognize the toughness of moms. And, and you don't have to be a single mom to be tough. Moms are just flat tough. And moms, in my opinion, have this special place in God's heart and in God's purposes and in God's kingdom design over the world. And up until now, this is, this is our fourth year, third year at, at Daylight Church of of us crossing the threshold of Mother's Day, and I have never done a Mother's Day sermon. And I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the two reasons I've never done that. One, it just always seemed like, in my opinion and, and from my vibe, it always felt like kind of a cop-out. It was on Mother's Day, you preach Mother's Day stuff. And I don't know why that always irritated me, because, but it, partially it's because I believe every day is Mother's Day. I think, I think as, as, as Christians, we ought to honor our parents and honor our mothers. And so it always, it always seemed kind of cliche or odd to me to like, pitch a certain day about that when every day ought to celebrate. And then secondly, and maybe more importantly, I recognize that Mother's Day is not an easy day for many. It's not a celebration day. Um, and, and there's a thousand reasons that could be the case, is your mother may not be with you anymore. Um, you may not have ever known your mother. You, 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 your, your memories of, of motherhood may not be that great. There, there could have been deaths in the family that make, so if, you, if you've lost a child, Mother's Day could be really, really tough. Um, I know for my, my mother in particular, my mom had an abortion when she was younger, and, and I'm not saying this is the case for every single person who's had an abortion, but Mother's Day was a time of mourning for her because she thought of the child that wasn't. And so there's, there's a thousand reasons why, why Mother's Day might be tough for people, and we want to acknowledge that. So, so it's, and someday, in, in some sense, to, to stand up and say, hoorah, yay, let's celebrate, Seem, seems to discredit the emotions and difficulties that, that people actually face when it comes to mothers. But then on the other hand, we, we don't want to just, just fly by the holiday without acknowledging it because of those difficulties as well. And so today I made the choice that we are going to talk about moms. We're going to talk about Mother's Day. And the sermon today is titled, Anna Yamama. And I don't know if that's really idiotic or cool, but I, I've always thought the mother tattoo was about the best tattoo you could get. I just think there's something really cool about the mother tattoo. And what we find in Scripture is that God puts a premium on mothers and honoring mothers You'll, and, and, and parents in general, that, that God designed a system where we are supposed to invest in the lives of our parents. We live in a if you lived in an Eastern culture right now, you would probably live in a community with not just your parents, but your brothers and sisters and their parents as well. Uh, in a lot of Western civilization, honoring your elders and honoring your ancestors and honoring your parents is supremely important. But we live in an extremely individualized Western culture that ultimately try, does our best to, as quickly as possible, separate from our parents and live, live our own lives. And as we grow older, a lot of times the decisions we make where our parents are concerned is, are different than somebody in a, an honor society would choose. And I'm convinced that the biblical way of looking at parentage is, mo is, more close, is closer to the way Western people view the, the topic than the way, I'm sorry, Eastern people view the topic than that Western people do. I think America's got it wrong, basically. I think we are supposed to be invested in our parents' lives and we're supposed to be honoring our parents. And I think you see this pretty consistently throughout the Bible. There's a proverb that says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Now, I do want to say there may be reasons why your relationship with your, with your mom or your mother have, have not been healthy. There's, there's, there's a lot of reasons out there that those relationships might deteriorate. 
But I'm going to argue today that regardless of what the relationship has looked like, regardless of what conflict has been there, that honoring your mom is a good thing. And that even in the hardest of circumstances, we should look for opportunities and ways to do that. Now, God at the beginning, uh, in the Mosaic Law in the Old Testament, had a chance to say to his people, what, what are the ten big rules that I want you to follow? And there's an old clip from a movie called History of the World Part 1 from Mel Brooks that is blasphemous and vulgar, and I don't recommend it, but I remember it from my childhood, so I found this clip that I've always thought was humorous, and I think, I think God would laugh at this, although I'm not fully convinced. So the Big Ten, and, and if you talk to people about how good their life is, they tend to quote the Big Ten. I never stole anything. I never murdered anybody. You know, they go through some of the Big Tens, and they say, that means that I'm an upright and good person. But buried right in the middle of the Big Ten is this little phrase that has to do with your parents. And it says, honor your father and mother. This is a quote from Ephesians. So this is a, a newer quote about the old law. But it says, one of the laws, one of the Ten Commandments is that you honor your father and mother. And it makes, it, it's, it's really interesting. It points out that this is the commandment that comes with a promise. A lot of the commandments say, don't kill, don't steal, don't covet, don't commit adultery. It's interesting, the one about your mother and father and honoring your mother and father, it says, honor your mother and father that it may be well with thee and thou may live long upon the earth. It says that somehow this connection that you have with your parents is beneficial for human thriving and it's an important part of who you are. And then it says, oh, oh, hey, the quote's right there. That's what it says. And so um, it's probably the, I'm, I'm trying to think, between keeping the Sabbath day and honoring your parents, those are probably the two most neglected of the Ten Commandments. They're probably the, the ones that we don't really think about when we think about what God wants for us. But God, think about this. This is so important. God could lay down the law. He could tell all his millions of people, billions at this point, the stuff he thinks is important, and one, 10% of that was made up about your relationship with your parents, that it was supposed to be a relationship of honor. It was supposed to be a relationship that you cared about. And it's not something I think God would have us neglect, and so it's not really fair to skip Mother's Day every Sunday just because I have pastor issues. I think it's important we talk about this stuff. Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, there's the seven sayings of Jesus. You guys might have seen some of these walks. They'll, they'll, they'll have places where they have the stations of the cross, and you can go through. And it, those of you that are Catholic, I see Ernesto nodding at me. Um, every Catholic knows about the stations of the cross. And you can, you can even go to Jerusalem, go to Israel today, and you can walk the stations of the cross. And the stations of the cross are seven places where they talk about the seven last statements of Jesus. So in his dying breaths, what did Jesus have to say? And there's some really spectacular stuff buried in those seven statements. But one of these is found in the Gospel of John. And it says, when, John, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. So he's being crucified near naked in agonizing pain. And one of the last things he thinks about, Jesus' last words consisted of, somebody please take care of my mom. He reached out to one of his best friends and said, woman, please follow him. Son, please follow her. Stick together. You guys be together and take care of each other. And even today, my wife and I were in Ephesus last year. You can see the supposed house where Mary spent her last days right across the valley from where John lived and wrote some of his works. And John apparently fulfilled this. But one of Jesus' primary concerns when he died was, I need somebody to take care of my mom. 
And so even God, God as man, dying a horrible death, placed this as a priority. And so here's the plan. I'm going to talk about three different reasons why we ought to honor our moms, Anna and Mama. I'm going to talk about, uh, we're going to, we're going to have the, I'm going to talk about three ways that you can do that, and then we're going to have an opportunity to share just briefly today to honor our moms in here. We're going to pass a mic in just a moment. But here's two words as to why you should honor your mom. Labor pains. <laughs> now, you might have never had a relationship with your mom, it, or you might have had a really awful relationship with your mom. But your mom most likely made a conscious choice to bring you into the world because you're sitting in these seats. She probably had alternatives, and she chose to go through with that. She chose to carry a human being in her body. She chose, to, I, I don't, if men, I, I've said it before, if men were in charge of giving birth, the human race would die. It, it, the, the, the knowledge of a human being escaping your body at any point is just so... T- it's like the scene from Alien where the alien comes out. That's how I visualize it. And I can't imagine that sucker being in there and thinking, this child is going to escape at some point. It's just terrifying to me, right? And I, I know how bad this thing can be. And, and Allison, I, Allison's very, very pregnant. Like, you could go any moment, right? So, so I'm going to try to... Just, just don't listen. Just plug your ears or something. But my wife chose to do natural childbirth without epidurals and without drugs for our first three children. And, and, I've, and the fourth, she chose an epidural, and I'm just going to say, Allison, choose the epidural. I'm just going to say it. Uh, talk to your doctor, consult. I'm not a doctor, but that's my, that's my advice. But the very first birth, they put a meter on you, and it measures the strength of those contractions. And she had gone from minor labor to, to major labor and to heavy labor, and that, that scale started to climb. When the, so you, you watch it go up, and the contraction comes, and then you watch it go down as the contraction goes away. And she was starting, so she started from like a zero to one with minor contractions, and it, was just, it would just go up a little bit down. But then it started hitting like in the 20 range. And, and she said, I don't know that I can do this. We had planned the Bradley method of birth control, which is an absolute sham and a farce. Just don't even go for it. It just does not. I guess some women like it. I don't see how. But I'm supposed to teach her to breathe. I'm saying, okay, breathe, baby. <laughs> she looks at me and she says, this Bradley stuff is crap. <laughs> and then I was not allowed to speak to her for like eight hours. she just look at me like, I'd say, you're doing great. Okay, I'm, I'm, out. I'm out. I'm out. Well, that meter started to hit 20, and she was saying, I don't know that I can do this. So I went out to the nurse, and I said, like I said, plug your ears. You've already had a baby. You've been there. You know what you're doing. Uh, and the second's much easier than the first is what we've experienced. Oh, okay. Oh, well, you're a piece of cake then. You're, oh, oh, no, you're terrorized. I'm sorry. You know what? Just, just ignore everything that's about to be said. So we, we leave. And I go outside, and I'm saying, I'm saying, this scale's starting to hit about a 20, and she's in a lot of pain. Do we need to start thinking about maybe making some changes? She said, oh, sweetie, that thing will be well over 100 by the time you guys get out of here. And, and, and she was literally kicking the walls and beating them and calling the contractions, sucker. She was like, go down, you sucker. And uh, she just changed during this time. And there was nothing fun about it. Um, but I say that to say, epidural or not, epidurals don't always, don't always work. Women face that. And if you're here in a seat, a woman faced that for you. And if nothing else, no matter who they are, no matter what your relationship has been, no matter how hard it's ever been, no matter how far out of communication you've ever been, that alone is worth honor. 
that alone is worth looking at and saying, I appreciate that. If it weren't for you facing off with that fear, facing off with childbirth, I wouldn't be here today. And that is one reason why you ought to honor. Somebody thought it was worth it. Somebody thought going through this was worth it for you, and that somebody, and, and I will say this, you may, you may be in here and you may have been adopted and not know who that mother is, and I, I, I recognize that this sermon doesn't hold a whole lot for you, and I apologize for that, and it's a shame, but I would love to talk to you about those situations in your life and maybe talk to you about how we apply some of this. But the, the point is, no matter who you are, no matter what the relationship is, there is a foundation for honor there, period. There's no getting around it. If you exist, there is a reason for you to honor this person. Secondly is, this ain't fun for no one. This is, it is just not, I, I, I heard a comedian one talk, time talking about how having kids is five years that are terrible followed by 50 years that are great. And there's some truth to that. I, I, I'm very honest about children. I like my kids about the time they turn three. Like before that, they just scream and poop and that's their job and, and who wants that in their family, right? My, my wife loves them. She'll just sit and coo and, oh, you're wonderful. And I'm like, oh, it's a hunk of flesh that poops a lot as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> But about three, they can start having conversations, and I get turned on to them. But, the, but my wife, in fact, right now, she's, she's holding our child. We have a child who's, who's 10, 11 weeks old right now, and uh, it, it's like this. And odds are, without extenuating circumstances, someone did this for you. Now, I'm sa- you'll see category one, everybody must honor their mother. Category two, not everyone fits into this category, but for the most part, of, if, you, if you survived that first year, someone held you, someone took care of you, someone made sure food was shoved in your gullet. Somebody deserves honor for that. So anything good that's ever happened in your life happened because someone did this. Someone gave birth. Someone took care of you. Someone wiped your butt when it needed wiped. Somebody wiped your snot when it needed wiping. That's the reality of it, and that's the stuff that your mom went through. And it's real easy to take that for granted. Once you grow older, especially in a Western culture where we try to escape our parents, it's real easy to say, well, yeah, that's great for you and all. But we need to put more honor in that, more integrity in how we treat our moms. And then I just also want to say that one of the reasons to honor your mom is that this is the good stuff. My mom died about four years ago now, and I remember a couple months later having the feeling, coming to grips with the reality that no one will ever love me again like mom did. Mom was on my side. Mom was my support. Mom was my strength. She was the one I could always go to. Again, first category, everyone. Second category, less people. Third category, this may not fit you at all. Your relationship with your mom might not have been healthy. But I, for, for probably the majority in the room, you, you, you can honestly recognize that no one will ever lay down their life for you like mom would have. No one will ever care about your well-being like mom did. That's just the reality about who moms are, and I think it's worth, worth honoring. My mom... And, and, and in a moment, you'll have a chance to possibly share your stories. But for me, there was a moment that I recognized how sacrificially my mom loved me. And it was when I was in college, and I was living with a bunch of, a bunch of guys. We called it the guy's house. And we had a dog, so there was dog hair everywhere. It was just a nasty place to live. And uh, we had this nasty furniture that we had gotten from a thrift store. And, I mean, it was, just, it was just bachelors doing the bachelor pad thing. And my mom found out about this furniture auction down the road because this furniture store was going out of business. And we decided to go see it. But mom was not in, in great financial shape either. Uh, and she was not financially wise. She made a lot of really bad financial decisions and had some fi- failed businesses. And so after my dad, who was kind of wealthy, died, 
it was kind of a downhill slide from there. There was some stuff in the will that made things difficult, and uh, mom ended up in kind of dire straits. So I don't even know why we're at this auction, because we can't afford any of it. I mean, it's nice stuff, and even at the auction prices, it's way beyond what we can afford. But I find this leather couch and sofa and recliner that is just beautiful, and it would fit perfectly in our living room. And, and I say, man, mom, wouldn't that be great? And I'm just kind of dreaming out loud. But I, I, I mean, there's no, it was like six grand on the, on the asking price. And so I thought, there's just no way we can do this. And, and it never even crossed my mind that we would. Well, the auction's going on, and this set comes up, and we stayed there all day. It was just fun. They were serving popcorn, and we liked watching the furniture, and it seems kind of dumb at this point, but that's what we were doing that day. And this set comes up, and the price starts to rise, and I don't remember what the price got to. I think it was like 2600 bucks. and my mom throws up her thing and bids on it. And they say, going, going, gone, sold, boom, hit the gavel. My mom has just bought this furniture for me for way more money than she can afford, like $2,600, $2,800. And I, I'm, I'm mad about it. I know she can't afford it. I know it's a bad financial decision. I know she's going to put it on a credit card, which I'm anti-credit card at this point in my life anyway. And, and I also know this, is that anything mom ever did for me, she did for my brother. So this wasn't a $2,800 decision. It was a $5,600 decision. It was twice whatever she paid because she would make it right with him. And so I said, Mom, what are you doing? what are you doing? That's crazy. You can't do that. And she said, just let me do something nice for you. I said, well, then get me some ice cream, but this is, you, you can't do this. And, and so I finally went to the auctioneer and said, look, and, and I, a, a wait, it was not her will for me to do this. She was mad at me at this point. We left mad at each other. But I went to the auctioneer and I said, my mom just made a terrible mistake. She can't afford this. There's no way she can do it. Because I knew, I knew her financial situation and it was way off the, off the radar at this point. And they reluctantly said, okay, well, we'll put it back in the rotation and let it happen again. And I breathed a sigh of relief and took my mom by the hand and said, we're getting out of here, right? And it's not a story about financial savvy by any stretch, but it is a story about a woman who would do something ridiculous because she loved her son so much. And, and for, for all of my life, I, I think it's fair to say no one has ever or will ever care about me like mom. And that may or may not have been your experience, but for many people, that's the love of a mother. That's, what, that's the kind of love that a mother exhibits. So I've got three pieces of advice, and then we're all going to talk, or some of us are going to talk. Number one is call your mama. And I don't mean necessarily call, but I mean stay in touch. In our culture, it's, it's easy to get away. And if you've been separated from your mom, if you've been isolated from your mom, if you've been somehow ostracized, if there's hatred there, if there's bitterness... I would make it a prime objective in your life to at least somehow communicate honor. I think this is super important. It doesn't mean you can heal every relationship. It really doesn't, and that's not what I'm talking about here. But what I am talking about is giving credit where credit is due, and this woman went through a lot for you. Regardless of who she is, regardless of the pain you felt, she sacrificed for you, and that is worthy of honor. So communicate. And even if that's just calling someone you've never, you haven't talked to in years and just saying, Mom, I was thinking about you and I, I was thinking about Mother's Day. I was thinking about what you went through for me to exist. And I just want to say thanks for that. That's a good beginning. That's a good foundation. Number two is thank your mama. If, if, if you have had a relationship that has been healthy and good, take time to acknowledge that. I, I know this. I know when my four-year-old little girl crawls up next to me on the couch and says, Daddy, I love you. There's nothing better in life, and I suspect that will never change. I don't think there's ever going to be anything in my life that will compare to that. 
If I, if I dress up in a suit because I'm going to a funeral or a wedding, which is the only time I wear a suit, and, and my, my little girl or one of my boys say, Dad, you look really good today. It does something for me that none of you could. If, if you tell me I look good today, I, I think, well, I was already thinking you thought that anyway. But <laughs> if you say it, it doesn't mean to me what it means coming from them. It's just, it, 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 it's, and so I'm saying that to say when your child comes to you and thanks you, when your child comes to you and acknowledges you, that's as valuable as a, as a thing could be. And so remember that when it comes to communicating with your parents, is try to take time to thank them for at least the things that you can be thankful for. If there's a bunch of junk there that you can't be thankful for, just leave that off the table. But at least say, thanks for what you did for me. And then I want to stretch it to love. A few weeks ago, we talked about love in action. We, we talked about the, uh, I had a hairdo slide. I don't remember what the, the phrase was. I don't even remember my own sermon. But, oh, the hairdo is you hear some, a need, and then you do something about it, and that exhibits love. And your parents have needs. Your parents, especially as they grow older, will have continuing, growing needs. And to love effectively is to say, how can I support those needs? How can I help those needs? In our Western culture, as that progression continues to happen, we have a tendency to get further and further away, which is the opposite, in my opinion, of the method of Jesus when it comes to parents. Look for ways to serve your parents. Look for ways to love your parents, to meet their practical needs. And I'll even say this. As Christians, we want to serve, 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 serve. And for some reason, our parents, that's one category that in general gets neglected. And I would say that needs to be a priority category. It's one of the top ten commandments is honor your mother and your father. 